Hello and welcome to another episode of Crypt Speakers. This is Ceci Correa speaking and with me as always uh, is Jay Tyler. Hey Ceci, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about more Tales from the Crypt, a show that seems to hate love. But before we get into this week's episode, I had a couple things I wanted to talk about, some little corrections corner from some stuff that we had talked about uh, in previous episodes that I wanted to get off my chest before we got into this one. Is that okay with yeah, you? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, so the first one is uh, in the episode Cutting Cards, we had talked about how crazy it is that the scores from James Horner, which is who is one of the most like celebrated uh, uh, film scores of his generation, was just a incredible talent and i say was because we forgot we neglected to mention in that episode that james horner actually unfortunately died in 2015 uh, as part of a plane crash it was a solo plane uh crash that he he was the only um uh victim of but uh just a really awful tragedy and i and i felt bad that we didn't mention that episode so i'm just gonna sneak in and mention about that here um so yeah that's terrible it's it's awful. Um, a true talent in scoring. Um, I think we both stand by that the score in Cutting Cards is garbage music, but... I um, liked still... it. Uh, oh, did I you just, really? Oh. Yeah, I liked it. I just thought it was really over the top and didn't really... wasn't kind of oh, okay. necessary in the episode. It's like, it has, like, no place in the episode. Like, they... <laughs> he starts, like, with this really interesting score, and then, like, you don't really hear any music after... The beginning, really, um, it, ju- it just feels perfect. out of place. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I so I will say for myself, I think that's a pretty bad score. I, it it is just so over the top, and it's it's almost distracting, and it's just like it's it's so out of his wheelhouse that I think that it's um. So anyway, but uh, just you know, pour one out for James Horner, um, one of the greats, uh, and uh, sad that we won't get to hear any more of his scores. Um, also just going to slot in here. He also did the score for Wrath of Khan, which is a great score. Um, so, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, and, um, this is, uh, just giving proper, uh, you know, respects where they're due. We actually passed the first episode of Tales from the Crypt to ever receive an Emmy nomination, uh, specifically the episode, The Switch. Directed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's the Arnold epi- the episode that Arnold Short showed up for at the beginning. Oh, you mean the Arnold episode? The all Arnold episode, um, and that um, is not for the directing styles of Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it's for the acting of one William Hickey, who played Carlton in that episode, the old man who I kept calling um, Craig. Craig. <laughs> and you know, if, uh, if if you tell me, I think Arnold was. Robbed, robbed! I tell you. Yes, no, I'm sure. I'm, I, I'm sure that has the reason why he never went back to directing is he was like, I put my heart and soul on this one episode of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, he was snubbed, and I get get no. It's absolutely snubbed. Um, uh, but I I am glad that William Hickey got some recognition for doing a whole lot of uh, you know, lip syncing ADR work. (laughs) Yep, awesome. All right. So with all that said, shall we get into this episode of Tales from the Crypt? Sure. It was, um, I like to say it was a doozy, but I feel like I say that about a lot of them. 
<laughs> I think this one's especially a doozy. This is, I'm going to go on a limb here. This might be the scuzziest episode of Tales from the Crypt we've talked about yet. Yet, Like, this episode, and it's, okay. So, I, I want you to do your, our usual, like, sort of breakdown of who's involved in this episode. Partially because I'm curious what you're able to pull from the creative staff of this episode i'm puzzled i'm I've, absolutely baffled i've never <laughs> heard of anybody who's involved in like the actors the writers the director well like, just... yeah so i should preface this by saying that despite the fact that we are several episodes into this series this is the first time that i've felt compelled to pour myself some wine for the recording <laughs> Because yes. <laughs> this one was just so bad. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot to unpack. Yeah, so the director is one David Burton Morris. Uh, it looks like he's done a fair amount of TV work, uh, TV movies and such. Uh, nothing that I quite recognize. Uh, his top IMDb credit is uh, a film called Purple Haze, which seems to be a movie about the consequences of smoking the reefer. Um, (laughs) literally, uh, in the, in the description for IMDb, it says like, somebody update this, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I don't really know what's going on there. Uh, it's actually kind of a wild premise. It says the film opens in Princeton University, 1968, where Matt Clawfield and his friends were watching television. There, they witnessed President L.B. Johnson inform us of his plans not to rerun in the upcoming election. Upon hearing of this plans, uh, of these plans, Matt and the rest of the students celebrate by smoking marijuana. An uncool student. Does. Yep. An uncool student from next door is disturbed by the boys' racket, and upon upon being pelted with junk food by the boys for telling them to be quiet, he calls the police. Within minutes, Matt and his roommates are caught smoking and are banned from college campus. Matt returns home to his family, where he is faced with various issues before being shipped off to Vietnam. Source, Wikipedia. Dot, dot, dot. Please someone update this! Exclamation point, exclamation point. Written by wow. unknown source. That is the synopsis of this movie on IMDb. Which again is the most popular movie from the director of the, of the episode we're talking about today. So yes, fairly <laughs> anonymous. I mean, um, it's, yeah, like you said, a lot of TV work, a lot of TV movies, and there's there's nothing like, wrong with that. Work is work. No, I, 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 I love a good TV movie. I feel like those don't get made anymore. Like, yeah. I, 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 I think the rise of Netflix and HBO Max I mean, and whatnot really could like, you could you make the argument that Netflix movies are TV movies? Because they're not sort of, they're not they're, they're, meant to be watched in a theater. They're literally made for you know. Yeah. Well, my my Netflix. wife and I were talking about this yeah. the other day. Like, especially if you look at like what was nominated for Oscars this year. And granted, this year is weird. But mank, like like, mank, mank. Uh, but but like you know, Netflix put out a Spike Lee movie in 2020. Like, I feel like Netflix is increasingly like kind of maybe like secretly the third or fourth biggest movie studio around, but also just put out a bunch of like what would have been TV movies in the past. They just make everything, like, it's just all quantity and quality sort of like it's very strange like 
their whole push this year is like we're gonna come out with at least. And one I definitely year. don't want to sound elitist because. One, Steven Spielberg has made it very clear that he despises Netflix films, that he thinks they're second rate, and I think that's absolute bullshit. Uh, <laughs> but I do, I can kind of see a case that, like, it is, it's that, it's a weird uh, sort of medium. Well, I think it's hilarious that Steven Spielberg, who, you know, I have a higher opinion of than you, but, like, the guy who, like, created the blockbuster, which everyone said was ruining some, but, like, Coming out of, you know, the new Hollywood into the, like... Not only that, but he got famous off of a TV movie. Right, yeah. Like, like, like you said, like, you know, directed the first episode of Columbo. Fun fact about Steven Spielberg. Hmm. Uh, But, like, he's... He's not, like, you know, he's a bit of a raconteur. Like, and yes, like, he made more prestige pictures later in his career... But, like, it's weird for him to be the guy who's, like, won't we think about the purity of cinema? It's like, Steven Spielberg, like... <laughs> yeah. I, I like a lot of the stuff that you made, but you're the guy who, like, made film more populist. And so, like, in a weird way, like, Netflix is so far in alignment with, like, what you're... Like, Stranger Things is nothing if not a giant homage to, like, Steven Spielberg films. Like... It's just so strange. Like, it's yeah, just, I don't like how gatekeepy he is being with it, but right, whatever. Yeah, you know, him and 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 our buddy Robert Zemeckis has very similar positions of like, and you know, all these streaming. And this is what they movies. do. This is what they do. Once you get famous and you're popular and you have power, you want to hold on to it, and that's why you want to start doing that sort of gatekeeping. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm kind of super disgusted, uh, super disgusted by this. And yeah, that's why yeah. part of the reasons why I'm not such a fan of Spielberg, uh, nowadays. Sure. But anyway, to go back to this episode, uh, oh, do we have to, uh, yeah, <laughs> gotta get it over with. So this is starring, uh, three folks, um, that I, yeah, haven't really seen much, um, there's a uh, Gavin O'Hurley. I have no idea how to pronounce his name. I'm really sorry if I'm butchering it. Uh, but he's actually been in a bunch of stuff. He was in Willow, Superman 3, uh, and The Descent 2, which I absolutely love the first The Descent. Uh, <laughs> I've heard terrible things about the sequel, but I would just say just, just watch the original The Descent. It's amazing. Sure. Uh, but I was like, oh, hey, I, I have heard of that. Yeah, I've, I've heard of the first one. Yes, I've never seen Superman yeah. 3, and I have seen Willow, but it's been a while. I don't think I remember it. So when yeah. I was looking through the credits, I was like, yeah, okay, he's been in Willow. Don't know who he was I mean, there, but that's I mean, a, he, it's a known so, movie. If you go back enough, when he was a teenager, he played Chuck on Happy Days. Like that's That is literally like the thing he's best known for, is being like a tertiary character on Happy Days, a mm-hmm. show that has too many characters. Got it. Uh, and then the leading lady is Ruth DeSosa, and she is mostly known for playing Anne Jones in the Young Indiana Jones series of, I guess, TV movies. And it was also it was also a TV show uh, that right. I have also never seen. But that seems like a neat um, feather in the cap. Uh, and then she was also in a 
TV compilation called Freddy's Nightmares that I didn't know anything about until today, but I was very curious. Mm-hmm. And it looks like this was a show in the 80s that was, again, like a compilation of scary, um, I guess, scary episodes, kind of all centered around Freddy Krueger, which I think, you know, if we if we track it down and we, we get tired of Tales from the Crypt, that might be an interesting one to look at. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's basically like it's it's basically tales from the crypt, but instead of having the crypt keeper, they've got uh, they got Freddy Krueger. They got Freddy Krueger. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the uh, other um, actor in this called Paul Bieber, and uh, he's also been in a lot of TV stuff, uh, including Freddy's Nightmares. So I'm um, I'm wondering if this was again one of those things where you know it's a group of people that kind of know each other and kind of end up. Uh, being pulled into something else together so but yeah and then in terms of the writing we talked about the director is david burton morris who we just talked about this weird movie called purple haze uh and then he co-wrote this with co-wrote this who am i am i uh what's his name daniel david Faison from uh too much tuna co-wrote this um and uh so yeah he co-wrote this with uh two women uh one of which this is their only writing credit and the second person this is their one of two of um their writing credits so uh or sorry it was uh another man steven kettleson and then annie uh, yeah i I was i was gonna jump in here yeah kim i believe kim kettleson is a man uh but yeah and then annie will but yeah like David Burton Morris, like, gets a, and I think Annie Willette, like, going back to our, here's how you read screenwriting credits, I believe Annie Willette does, like, punch up on it. That mm-hmm. Stephen, that uh, Kim Kettleson and David Burton Morris worked together on a script, and then yeah. Annie Willette, like, did a pass. And I, I'm puzzled that any woman could have, like, Touched been okay with the script, yeah. <laughs> but the, the, anyone could have been like, yeah, sure, this is fine. Uh, or so you mean like a I'm human being I'm looked puzzled. at the script and was like, "This seems humane and okay to put out on television, even on HBO." I guess it's not it's not television; it's HBO. I mean, yeah. yeah. But well, anyway, we're okay. 14 minutes in and we haven't even talked about this episode, okay. so let's just well, get for, to it. Okay, okay, Ceci, I, I know, I know, we're we're running along, we're running late. I have to ask you a, a quick question before we get into this episode because I confess to you that I was kind of half watching this episode. Um, because it's uh, kind of boring Terrible. for most of it, and I, to, <laughs> and I had to, and I had to do some stuff yeah, for uh, yeah. my my writing gig with Synapse. Um, but I just want to ask you before we get into this episode: Did you predict the end of this thing yeah. before it happened? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because uh, that's okay. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So we open with the Crypt Keeper, and he's doing some podcasting. Uh, probably <laughs> really more of a radio broadcast. He's got uh, some headphones. He has the old timey microphone. You know those silver yeah. ones from like the thirties or whatever. And right. He's being like a nineteen fifties shock jock, basically. Yeah. And for some re yeah, for some reason he's like, Are you ready to bop till you drop? And I'm like, oh, okay, is this gonna be like a music episode? No, it wasn't. I guess they just this like has, ran they, out of they ideas. Had no angle on this one. So yeah. Like, yeah, like they just had no idea how to like get into this one. They're like, Yeah, I don't know. This the source from the fifties, like you can just 
and make old, like, references to oldies. And it, it's almost like they maybe have like um like a randomizer of like crib speaker prop and pun, right. and that's yes. how you figure out the the intro, and that's how they figured this one out. Uh, so yeah, he's like, "Are you ready to bop till you drop?" And then he says uh, that he has chosen a tale about a couple in their anniversary, and he says, "For richer or horror?" Ah ha ha ha. <laughs> and then he says, "This is one anniversary the husband will never forget." <laughs> uh, and then fade to ominous music. And then we open to whoa. Very blue, very dark shot of some dude waiting alone, sitting at a table in this, like, really swanky room. We learned that this dude's name is Richard. One huge gripe that I have with these episodes is that they never tell you the character's names until maybe about halfway through the episode. So I always have to start writing the dude, uh, and then midway through I have to retroactively go back and change it so anyway this dude's name is richard and he's just sitting there uh i guess waiting for someone uh he's got a he's got a big brood going on yes like, i think i think it's fair to say that he's 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 not having it whatever it might be yeah and it's just the the shot that they open with is so what so striking in how blue it is i just can't yeah. overstate uh, it's incredibly blue. Yes, and it's like, okay, we're, like, right from the get-go, we're trying to determine that this guy is just, like, I guess not in a good place. Uh, yeah. and he's he's just, drinking, he's just not... Yeah. yeah. He's, he's sitting in the dark, in the blue, blue dark, yes. drinking, and, like, just staring at his... And this, th- this is the thing. This show really likes to play with color... They really like to do shit like this. So it's like, I see that shot and I'm like, this is just from the Crypt episode. Okay. Um, yeah. And so someone comes in through the door and then he says, four hours? Where have you been? You said it'd only be one hour. And then who comes in is, I guess we kind of deduce, uh, is his wife. Uh, her name is Della. Uh, and then she says, oh, sorry. I didn't, I didn't think you'd mind. And here's here's something that's going to be difficult because um, the main character, or not the main character, one of the characters in this episode, his name is Alan. And I know yes. my lovely spouse shares his name with this character. And I am sorry, babe, that you're going to have to listen to me saying your name a whole lot through this episode. Not talking about you, talking about this douchebag named Alan in this episode. Right. <laughs> and so she says, oh, look, Alan bought me this coat. Isn't it lovely? No, actually, it was ugly ass fuck. It actually yeah. looks like a bathrobe. <laughs> and she's like, look at this coat that Alan bought me. Uh, <laughs> and um, this Richard guy is like, oh, yeah. Why is he buying you things? And Della is like, oh, well, you know, he's your, he was your best man, exposition, exposition. He's our friend. Uh, and then he says, look, we haven't seen him since the wedding. Like, just, it's just kind of weird. Uh, and it's, then it's extremely weird. Like, it immediately sets up this thing of like, yeah. Uh, oh, like, yeah. And he's it, like, oh, I guess you had a lot to catch up on. And if he's, again, it's really weird that like, 
apparently we learned that this is their anniversary weekend and the wife has been out with this with the best man for like four hours and left the the husband at home and especially if if this dude was the best man why isn't the husband there at all it seems like it would be the husband's friend it's very it's extremely strange that like yeah like it he you would assume that being the best man that he would be closer to richard than della yeah but throughout the episode it's very clear that a a the craziest thing is it comes out later in the episode we're, we're jumping ahead a bit that alan and della were a romantic couple at one point which i feel like there's got to be a law there's ought to be a law if there's not one the ex-boyfriends of the bride don't get to be the best man. Like, that seems, like, pretty yeah. bog standard of, like, that seems like that's just not a great look for anybody involved. Yeah. And so, yeah, anyway, it's it's a weird situation that we've walked into, folks. <laughs> and I guess that's why the guy is just so broody. Uh, right. and he, so he, his lady's been running around with this other guy for a while. Yeah, like, and so you know, she's like, "Hey, I'm just gonna say it." He feels like he's getting cucked pretty hard in this. Oh, one hundred percent. And uh, so she's like, "Hey, it's our anniversary. Can you like chill?" Also, I'm going to bed. Bye. And I just thought that was so weird that she's like, "Look, it's our anniversary. Can you please like not spoil it?" But also, I'm gonna go <laughs> right to bed. Right. Yeah. Like I got no. I, like. Please don't make our anniversary awful. By the way, I have no time with you. I'm also going to have this phone call with Alan now. Oh, wait, wait. That's We're actually skipping a little bit because okay, yeah. she when she says, hey, it's on our it's our anniversary. Don't ruin it, but I'm going to bed. And she starts kind of undressing, trying to put her PJs on. And he's still kind of very much brooding. And he's saying, like, I just feel like he's just rubbing his success on my face. Uh, look at all this shit. He shouldn't be buying you things. And it turns out that the very swanky place where they're at is actually a hotel room uh, that Alan paid for for them for their anniversary, which, again, weird, but okay. Right. Uh, and so that's why he's saying that, like, you know, I feel like I'm surrounded by his success and he's roaming it in my face and he's buying you things when I should be buying you things. And just like, just as he's saying this, he kind of like comes over and he's just really sad. And he's like, I haven't even been able to give you a baby. Uh, and she's like, oh, no, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, and just as, you know, they're, he's kind of distraught and she's trying to console him and they're about to kiss. And then the phone rings. And that's when uh, she he says, oh, leave it. And she says, no, it's Alan. I told him to call. And it's like, why would you? You just had a four-hour dinner with this guy. And this is your anniversary weekend. You're about to yeah, like, kiss you your husband. Yeah. yeah. And then why would, you, why would you even tell him to call you? Just really weird. And so... I don't know if this was just a weird version of the episode that I got on YouTube, but as soon as she says, oh, it's Alan, I have to pick up, and she picks up the phone, this, like, swelling music comes in, and it's just, like, it's, like, this, like, really emotional, like, 80s, 90s, like, rock, almost kind of sounds like an instrumental U2, mm. and it was just blaring. Yeah, it's, yeah, the music in general kind of, like, really, like, hits kind of obnoxiously throughout this episode. Like, it's trying to underpin, like, the emotional stakes for Richard throughout. Like, because, like, 
sl- slight look forward. This whole episode is from, it, like, necessarily is from the perspective of Richard. So we never really leave his point of view throughout the episode. Um, and so, like, everything, every, like, yeah, like, yeah, he, she just was out for four hours with this guy. She told him to call him, and he, like, she, like, goes, and, like, yeah, he's not feeling great at this point. And I just, I seriously had to kind of, at one point, I thought that maybe there was something else that was playing in the background. Sure. Like, do like, I have another tab open or something? Closed. Yeah, I yeah. was like, where is this music coming from? Like, I want to yeah. say it was kind of like instrumental U2 slash Duran Duran type of like late 80s, yeah. 90s rock uh, that just like swells as soon as she uh, picks up the phone. And then you see him pouting by himself in the closet and then pouting by himself uh, looking at them because uh, we cut to... Still with this weird music, we cut to them on a yacht. Uh, and it's, uh, Richard is by himself and Alan and Della are together and talking and laughing. And Richard is just pouting by himself, looking at them. And then <laughs> they're in a car and it's the same thing. He's just kind of looking out the window. Uh, and Della and Alan are, you know, having a good old time talking to each other, uh, through the ride. Um, and then at that point, Alan is like, hey, dude, what's uh, what's going on? Like, he tries to make some conversation. Uh, and then uh, Richard says, hey, Alan, you're just I guess you're just so lucky for like all this money and success that you have. And so Alan says, well, I'm not so lucky because I didn't get the girl. I really should have tried harder for Della. Just kidding. <laughs> and while he says that. He um, kind of touches Della, like, on the knee. Yeah, like, they're very, like, so earlier when they're, like, on the, like, stern of the boat and, like, just, like, chatting, they're extremely, like, touchy and flirty with each other. Yeah. Again, this whole thing is within the framework of Richard's point of view. So, like, of course, that's what he's seeing constantly. But, like... I don't blame him that he thinks something's going on. It is so blatant. Like they're basically groping each other. Yes. Uh, and then we arrive at the destination, which is like some cabin and looks to be like in a remote location. We don't really get a sense for where they are or when they are, <laughs> to be honest. Right. Um, uh, so I, so I, have, I, have a, I have a quick question for you. So, like, yeah, like, so they go to this, like, remote, like, yeah. like cabin. It's got, like, you know, stuffed animal heads all around, which will become relevant later. Uh, would this be your choice for a romantic getaway with your spouse for your 10-year anniversary? Absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> not, with a, not with a third wheel at all. Right. Not, not with... Uh, yeah, if your best man was coming along. That is literally uh, one of the notes that I wrote that, like, I don't know in what planet it's acceptable to, like, bring in a friend. Anybody. To anybody, an anniversary getaway. <laughs> like, you just don't yeah. do it. Yeah. It's, it's one thing. You haven't seen for a decade. It's one thing to do couples vacation, you know? Right. We've been on couples vacations. They're great, but you don't do a couples vacation over an anniversary. That's For just, sure. I just don't even know who does that. Right. 
Um, but yeah, apparently that is a completely acceptable thing to do in the Tales from the Crypt extended universe. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> we get, we get to this cabin and, uh, still, uh, this Alan guy is kind of all over Della and, uh, they're playing some cards at the dinner table and just having a good old time and laughing and Della is definitely paying way more attention to Alan than her husband. And so she's like, hey, do you want to come play cards with us? And he's like, no, I don't want to play cards with you. I'm just going to go outside for a smoke. And he goes out to smoke. Um, and he's just kind of, uh, they're kind of in a pier. I guess it's kind of like a lake side cabin. Yeah, it's, like a lake it's like a lake resort type space. Like, yeah. Like a cabin sort of around this one lake. Yeah. And so he goes out to the pier and he's having a smoke out there, but looking uh, like, from the outside looking in, like, okay, like, wow, this is, like, no subtext at all. Uh, so, yeah, he's from the outside looking in at them having fun, uh, and he's out there smoking. And one thing that really strikes me is that he keeps on p- pulling himself out of the situation constantly. Um, they constantly are, like, inviting him to join them to do stuff. Like, yeah, like, he's always off to the side. Like, literally, like, you, you mentioned this, but, like, yeah, they're playing cards, and they're like, Hey, Richard, why don't you come play cards with us? He's like, no, I hate cards. Like, it, he just constantly, like, he is often being invited to come into their circle. Again, it is weird that Alan is there. Like, this I is the that- only time, though, that they are, they actually said, come join us. Because I guess so. we don't have, we don't have context before when she went out to dinner if he was invited or not. Um, or, or like when they're on the boat, but like he, he's constantly like isolating himself. I think that 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 is a common trait that he's constantly like separate from them. Yes, and like whether yeah, he just asserted himself into the situation, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, differently. And honestly, like I said, this is the really the only time where he is asked, "Do you want to come?" Right. There are other parts. We'll get to that later. Where Della and Alan go off on their own without really inviting him, without them saying anything. But it is true that, like, he could have either tried to insert himself there, but he's, as much as Della is not really trying to include him, he's not including himself. Mm-hmm. Like, she is yes. definitely paying way more attention to Alan, but um, oh, he's not making any effort either. I mean, Okay, so we <laughs> there's so much to unpack in this awful episode. But, like, it is this weird, like, both, everyone in this little love triangle uh, is fucking up everything so bad that that Della should be paying, on their anniversary, I, I'm not going to, I, as a rule, I wouldn't tell women what their, like, associated behavior should be, but you would want your partner to feel like they were an invested member of your anniversary trip i would assume yeah richard needs to insert himself more and alan needs to not be there like the fact that alan's there uh even with where this episode goes i know we keep hinting at this twist at the end of this episode and if you've already seen it you know where this is going but even with the twist that happens alan needs to make himself as scarce as possible for like any of this to work and he doesn't yeah. I don't know. No, you're it's, right. It's just a 
fundamental issue with the way that these relationships work out. It's one of those things that always drives me crazy in stories like this, where it's like, if everyone just talked and like did a reasonable thing for once, this whole thing would not happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... Okay, so, yeah. And there's this weird part that doesn't go anywhere where, like, the driver that drove them uh, to this lake house uh, gets out and he, like, talks to Richard while he's smoking. He's like, hey, you have a very beautiful wife. Um, This is about where I start our kind of like start losing track of what's going on because I'm trying to figure out what the best animated films of 2020. Yeah. So he's like, Hey, you have a very beautiful wife. Oh, I tried about three times uh, to make a marriage work, but I really couldn't do it. I'm too much into free love. Okay. Yeah, Weird, weird, like side conversation. And you kind of think that maybe this is going to go somewhere, but it doesn't at all. So anyway, we now uh, cut Richard, uh, he's now asleep alone in their bedroom and you can, it's the typical cliche, like he's alone with like his arm on the, on the pillow. That's like, there's nobody there. Um, and so he kind of wakes up kind of suddenly he hears like some noise outside and that wakes him up. He goes downstairs to check it out. Uh, and he eavesdrops on this kind of very alarming conversation between Della and Alan. Uh, and so he kind of comes into this conversation almost like as it's happening, uh, kind of halfway through. So he doesn't have context. But what, what you do hear does sound like something is going on. Because he says, um, Alan says something like, hey, don't worry, like, everything's going to be over soon. And she says, oh, I just feel so bad that I'm lying to him, uh, to Richard. Uh, but then she says, oh, I just didn't think, uh, never knew I could be this happy. Uh, and then, you know, Alan puts uh, his uh, hand on her knee again. Uh, and he says, yeah, don't worry. Everything's going to be over soon. And I mean, if you hear that conversation like that, kind of coming in in the middle of it, it doesn't well, look good. No, it looks real bad. And and he, and, and we kind of skipped over this earlier, but like when she has the phone call with, um, Alan earlier, like there too, like, she makes her come to like, no, I haven't told him yet. Like, like they clearly have a secret. Yeah. Um, and, and seeing how they, um, are all grab hands with each other. It's pretty easy for him to fill in what he thinks the secret is. Yes. Like what he thinks is, is going to happen any moment now. And so anyway, he, after this, he like goes back to bed and kind of pretends to be asleep so that when she comes back in, she doesn't suspect that now he knows. Right. And the weird thing is after this happens, he wakes up kind of in a panic, almost like he forgot what happened. And he just, he just wakes up and then he's like, he's buying her stuff. And it's like, right. yes, the, this has been established. <laughs> like, yeah, you yeah. talk like, to her about the ugly coat. You know, yeah, you know he's been buying her stuff. Like, yes. And I just thought it was, information. it's a weird reaction that like, he wakes up in a panic, like, oh my God, what happened? He's buying her stuff. To be fair, like, he finds that she has like sexy pantyhose or something. Like, yeah, I'm like, getting to that. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he wakes up in this panic, which again is weird because like he it's it's almost like a delayed reaction because he wakes up in the middle of the night, hears this conversation, goes back to bed, like nothing happened, and then wakes up in a panic. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, it was just a weird type of reaction, and that's at that point where he starts when he says he's buying her stuff, he starts snooping through in the room. And at that point, he finds some um, kind of sexy underwear, some stockings. Um, and he immediately thinks, oh, I guess this is something that he bought for her. And so he goes downstairs to try to confront them, but they're not home. Just the driver is home. That right. the, the creepy driver that's like, I'm into free love, man. Yeah, Mr. Free Love is like, hey, what's going on? Yes. And then he says, oh, uh, since you weren't up yet, they went out for a walk. And he's like, oh, I see what's happening. You're in on it too, aren't you? And he says, dude, I'm just doing my work. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> which kind of looks almost incriminating if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> and so Alan and Della come in and the driver guy leaves uh, and tells Alan, look, I just can't do this anymore, okay? Which kind of, it almost makes it seem like there's something else going on. Right. Uh, kind of, yeah, yeah very ominous. Yep. And so they come in and they're super happy. And then Richard is kind of really just upset that, you know, he wakes up, they're not there. And they come in and they're super happy, kind of just having a laugh. And so Richard goes for a drink. And Della says, oh, please, don't start. Not today. And he says, why not? It's the only thing I'm good for. Hey, Alan, didn't Della tell you that I'm a bartender now? Uh, and Della just kind of gets embarrassed by that statement. And she says, no, I didn't tell him because I thought it'd be temporary. So we kind of learned that I guess Richard is kind of down on his luck. Uh, and I guess kind of embarrassed that he's now a bartender. And um, yeah, this is another one of those things where it's like we're we're getting like weird snippets of uh, exposition to kind of fill in the backstory here. Yeah, not enough to like feel like you like really know. Like, so w what were you before you were a bartender? <laughs> like, like why yeah, that they don't really explain before. Yeah, because yeah, everyone are like bartenders all their lives and do do fine. Yeah, <laughs> and so and so uh, he says like, oh well you know, you're buying stuff for my wife. Like, how much did that ugly coat cost you? Oh, he didn't call it ugly. <laughs> that's no, that's me editorializing. That's yeah, he says, how much did that coat uh, cost you? Probably like six of my paychecks, didn't it? Um, and then Alan says, hey, man, like, I didn't know. Uh, but if you need any help, just tell me what you need and I'm happy to help. Um, and Richard's like, oh, whatever. Like, I don't need your help. Uh, and Della just gets really upset and she says like, oh, please don't do this. Um, he says, why not? And then she just like, Della gets, re gets really flustered and she leaves crying. Uh, and it's just, it's kind of a weird interaction because he didn't insult her or anything like that. He's just like, he is very reasonably upset that she hasn't been there for him the whole time. She, he's, she's just been spending all her time with, with the best man. La almost kind of laughing behind his back 
And when he confronts them about it, they just kind of laugh it off and kind of make him feel like it's his problem. And then she starts crying and leaves. And then Alan's like, dude, why are you being such an asshole? And I'm like, gaslighting much? <laughs> like, this is extremely gaslighting. I don't necessarily feel bad for Richard because, again, he's he's brooding. Like, he is not being any help for his situation at all. Right. So it's like, I don't feel bad for the character. But at the same time, this feels extremely gaslighty and it's just uncomfortable to watch. No, it's it's like if you're living into the horror of like what he's going through and like you're seeing everything through this perspective, like this is the point where they just need to tell him what's going on. Like, because he's clearly like upset. He's clearly like talk about ruining the anniversary, but like for whatever reason they they hold on to their their secret. But yeah, like they're just being like manipulative and abusive to him at this point. Like there's yeah, no excuse for I his yeah, I really don't like their treatment of oh hey, we know what this looks like, but you're crazy for thinking that there's something going right. on. Like no, I mean. He's like, there's just there's a lot of red flags here, right? Again, I know that like I say this a lot. It cannot be understood how like handsy they've been this whole trip. Also, the fact that like he's with them, like the whole fact that he's with them, like I can understand if you want to do something nice for your friends for their anniversary, and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna get you a cabin. Exactly, you just pay for it and you let them go. You don't have to be a part of it. 100%. 100%. <laughs> so anyway, um, so then, so she leaves, Alan goes after her, uh, and then he's like, I'm the asshole, you're the one fucking my wife. Um, the last <laughs> part was me, but he does say you're the one fucking my wife. Uh, yeah, so he, and then he didn't have a Borat reference yet because that movie doesn't exist for another two decades. Yes. Uh, and so Richard comes back into the cabin and he sees a de- a deer hanging from the wall. And like, you literally can see a light bulb go off in his head. And he's like, huh, a deer, huh? And here's another thing where it gets weird. So it was established that this was in the morning because he wakes up and then he's like, where are they? Oh, they're not here. They don't come back to check on him until it's at night. It's dark outside. It's like the middle of the night, yeah. So he's literally been by himself the entire day thinking that his wife and his best friend are cheating on him. Very cool anniversary. Yeah, yeah. and so it's like, um, you would think that if these people cared about him, maybe they would have cooled off a little bit and then come back and, like, clear things up, but no. And so Alan comes back and he's like, hey, dude, what's up? Hey, uh, we have a surprise for you uh, in the cabin next door if you want to come check it out. And Richard's like, oh, yeah, you have a surprise for me? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come closer. For those keeping track at home, this is where I re-engage into the episode. (laughs) Oh, something's happening. Yeah. And so, yeah. So he's like, you have a surprise for me? Come closer. Closer. Closer! Uh, and uh, so he's like, surprise, motherfucker, I have a crossbow. <laughs> and then he just shoots him. He shoots Alan. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Very, like, he shoots him, and yeah, because at this point. And then he's like, him. 
Yeah, he shoots him, and then he, like, gets close to his body, and he's like, you have some blood coming out of you. Like, it's just, like, such a weird and detached, like, clearly by this point, Richard has completely gone insane. Uh, so, yeah, the blood starts spurting out of the dude's uh, nose, and he's like, you got some blood. Uh, and then, <laughs> and that's it. And then, I guess, time passes, and... Uh, Della comes over and she's like, what's taking you guys so long? Um, and then Richard's like, oh, hey, what's up, Della? Uh, I have a present for you. Oh, no, sorry. I'm getting a little ahead of my head, uh, myself there. Uh, she's coming, she comes in and she says, what's taking so long? Uh, then Richard's like, oh, hello. And he's wearing her ugly ass coat. Uh-huh. Uh, and she's like, why do you? Are you wearing my coat? And he doesn't she, really have an answer honest, for it's that. Her, just, like she's, she's like, why are you wearing my coat? Like she's like kind of freaked out by it. Which, yeah, uh, I guess. And uh, it's another sign that he's completely just gone insane. Um, and so he's sort of like, do you like my coat? And he's all like kind of modeling it. And she's like, uh, what the hell is going on? Um, and then she's like, well, we have a surprise for you at the cabin. And he's like, yeah, I have a surprise for you too. Uh, and then she's like, well, where's Alan? And he's like, oh, Alan, he's hanging around here somewhere. LOL. Actually, he's literally hanging from the wall, dead. Happy I anniversary. I had a Crypt Keeper moment myself. Yeah. yeah. Happy anniversary. I killed this friend that you clearly like more than me. Yeah. And then she, so she like screams and runs into the bedroom, shuts the door. And uh, Richard comes over and he's like, hey, Della come out, I have a present for you. And it's the stockings that he found earlier. And he says, like, hey, look, I know that you wanted to wear these for Alan, but maybe you can wear them for me. Uh, and then she's just, like, crying, not really wanting to open the door. Uh, and then Richard goes, Stella! I mean, Della! <laughs> and <laughs> Definitely, yeah, it starts calling her all kinds of awful names. Big shining vibes at this point. Like that is one of those moments where it's like, oh, woman locked in a door, man trying to break down the the uh, yes. door. Where have I seen this before? Yep. Uh, and so he breaks through the door and she jumps out the window because what else are you going to do? Uh, but sure. apparently it's just not really that high a window because like, I mean, she gets some scratches on her, but then Richard... Uh, jumps through the window as well with like no not a scratch on him and proceeds to catch up to Della and strangles her with the stockings that he assumed uh, she was cheating on him with not she wasn't right. cheating with the she, stocking but yes uh, that one could have assumed she was wearing while she was doing the cheating um, yes And so he strangles her, and then he then proceeds to drag her uh, over to the next door cabin to see what this surprise was supposed to be. And he's like, yeah, he's kind of talking to himself and saying, like, yeah, let's go check out this surprise. Um, And then it turns out he opens the door, and it was an actual party because, hooray, they're pregnant. And they were throwing him a surprise party. Uh, to let this Richard guy know that he was going to be a dad. And literally there's a sign that says, you're going to be a daddy. Uh, And it's I I like to say that this was a pre-gender reveal type thing. I don't know. 
Right. Um, I've never heard of a pregnancy announcement party to one <laughs> of the, like, I feel like it's that, that would be a very, like, yeah, like, to tell any, if my spouse, I have two children, um, and my spouse, uh, I, I'm going to tell this right. My spouse told somebody else that she was pregnant before me with our first child because she kind of, it was a, it was very much a big surprise and she just needed to talk to someone and I was at work. So like, but like, I've, <laughs> I've given her a hard time about that playfully, but like been like, you know, how was I not the first person you told? <laughs> uh, I can't imagine like there are like a good 10 people at this party. So it's oh, like way more. Everyone. It's packed. Yeah. So it's like, Della's told the entire town that she's pregnant, but not Richard yet, which is wild. And it's also, you're seeing that your spouse is kind of spiraling, super depressed. Wouldn't you say, like, hey, I was waiting for the surprise, but, like, look, I'm just going to tell you now. Like, I feel like you would do something, but they just don't. Because even, and we, we can get into this later, but even if you interpret this as... Alan and Della were just getting together to throw this party. And that was what they were plotting all along. And that's why they had a four hour dinner, uh, even though why do you still buy her a coat, but whatever. Um, so even if, even if you say that there was nothing going on, that they were just planning this party, it really does show that Della has no clue about her husband's like state of mind. Right. No, he's clearly like a, a dangerous alcoholic. Like it's so this is kind of why I wanted to open with the question of did you see did you had you predicted 100%. Right I was like I was like, oh, "Okay, he's going to think that they're cheating and they're going to be throwing him a party at the end and he's going to kill them and then he's going to realize that they weren't cheating and he's going to be like, "Oh no." And that's exactly No, no. No, <laughs> no I specifically okay, so this is why like no, no, no like that I I generally knew specifically because like i think it's like like he not only so he kills both of them but like he also has killed his unborn child like i think that's like the it's this yeah i I think it's this that's the part where i'm like holy like that's the most gruesome thing that's happened on this show like by a lot like i think it's sort of unquestionably Mm -hmm. the grossest the show has gotten in terms of just like quote unquote going there um and i was legitimately sh- like i was like holy shit and i and that might be the the father in me that's reacting to that so strongly um but like th- i found the the button on this episode to be really hard to swallow because it's so horrific um, yeah and so yeah, that's that's kind of where the episode ends. He is literally looking, like, he, like yeah, he, it's, it's actually it actually is kind of funny because they're like, oh surprise, and they're like, holy shit, you killed Della, and then cut to black. Like, yeah, yeah, he just looks in horror, and everybody's looking at him uh, and looking at Della's strangled body on the floor, and he's just kind of like, he has this like look of shock on his face, and that's. That's where they end it. Uh, and then yeah. we cut back to the Crypt Keeper, who is very tastefully in full party garb with like a little yeah, party hot hat and yeah. little uh, streamers. And the uh, what are those things called that you blow on? Uh, Noisemakers. Yeah. 
and then he says, I guess Richard was the guest of horror. <laughs> the end. Uh, kill yeah, me. They, 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 had, they, 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 had a, they had a strong closing, but they didn't really have an idea for the opening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so that was that episode. That was terrible. We still managed to talk 52 minutes about it. I mean, sometimes the bad ones you gotta unpack yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think we, I think we don't even need to discuss this. I think we both agree this is a stinker. Absolutely. I think, I think it's it's a stinker for two different reasons. I've already talked about my own personal like horror at the like actual resolution of this thing, um, but beyond that, like it's it's just gross. Like the whole the whole like Huckleding like storyline, the whole like fact that um, this is sort of where they're coming from, and like. And like, I guess, so like, like what I was saying about like, you know, predicting where it's going, the subtext of like all their conversations is basically like, she's having this baby to improve their, their marriage or like that their marriage has been on the rocks, but now they're having this baby. And like, that's an awful way to bring a person into the world. Like, there's just so many like things when you like think about it for more than a second. It's like this, I come to Tales from the Crypt to be too scuzzy to a certain extent, but the degree to which this episode is just real gross yeah, this was um, really heavy on the melodrama. Like, this was, to me, yeah. this was not a horror movie at all. This could have been an episode of Days of Our Lives. Well, like or, I said, you have that, you, ha- yeah. you have that, like, short, like, five minute segment where it becomes The Shining for a second. But then, like, yeah, like, around that, it's just like, oh, like, yeah, it's just a lot of people not communicating with each other to, like, get across, like, important information in each of these people's lives. And I get that that's probably the point. Like, that's probably, like, the ultimate, like, you're like, yeah, like, we need to communicate better. It's like, no, you don't get to, like, stand on this soapbox and then also make something that's this, like, patently false. Relationships, am I right? (laughs) No, that's not what you want to get out of it. No, it's, yeah, this is a crummy episode. Uh, Yeah, and I think you, you also have to have someone who is relatable likable and there was absolutely nobody likable here like alan is a complete douchebag who is like showing off uh by by buying stuff for his best friend's wife you know i can understand if you wanted to do a gift i can understand the you know oh yeah stay at a hotel on me or stay at a cabin on me i can understand that but it definitely crosses a line with the dinner and with the gift buying and then with phone call. Like, at some point, even if you do mean well, at some point you have to draw the line. The degree to which he's inserted themselves into their lives um, just can only read as manipulative. Especially and, uh, since they do it. talk about the fact that they used to date and that he regrets not doing enough to get her. So, like, clearly... You know, even if, even if they weren't actually with each other, uh, it is, it's still inappropriate, I think. Um, 100%. And, uh, Della also just what a clueless fucking person. Like, again, she's like, Oh, what do you mean? I just had a four hour dinner with like your best friend on our anniversary and BD. Like, no, that's not how it works. And especially again, if you see your husband is upset uh, because you just spent four hours on dinner with another dude on your anniversary weekend, 
you would try to do something to try to patch things up with your spouse, but she didn't. Like, at no point does she really try to make this guy feel better. And then Richard, I mean, he's got, he has legitimate issues. We can see that clearly, um, you know, he's drinking early, he's brooding, he takes himself out of the picture constantly, which are all signs of kind of depression. So it's like this guy is depressed, but it also seems like there's some like toxic masculinity going on there because he right. puts, it's, it's, he puts it's, so it's, much it's stock on whether or not he is, you know, I didn't give you a baby or like, I didn't give you these gifts. Like he right. puts so much stock on that, which is like, again, like very types of toxic masculinity there that clearly yeah, he has issues of his own. He's defining himself by superiority, either financially or like in this relationship. Like he constantly like is questioning, like, am I actually in control? Yeah. I'm done talking. Yeah. About and just, yeah, it, it's just, out. there's absolutely nobody that's redeemable, nobody <laughs> likable. And you need to have those things for the episode to like work for people to like feel something and like for it to feel cathartic in any way at the end. And there's none of that happening here. Um, right. And so to kind of um, go over to casting the cribs, just to try to um, move on and wrap things up, and also in a way to show better ways of telling this narrative, I wanted to say that for my casting the crypt, I don't really have thoughts on any of the performers. Sure. Um, but I did think that, you know what, I could cast this entirely with pro wrestlers okay <laughs> uh, sure and so i was like you know what for the husband and wife cody and brandy Rhodes, okay. uh and then Stephen amell uh for the successful friend okay i think i think I that think... could be interesting <laughs> however it also made me think it also made me think Wait, haven't we seen, seen this storyline before? Because this is right, Randy Savage this, and Miss Elizabeth and Hulk Hogan all over again. I was literally saying that, like, yeah, like, when you talk about, like, melodrama, like, this is 100%, like, bottom-of-the-barrel wrestling storyline. Yes. Like, yeah, like, like, you know, or, like, yeah, like, you know, like, bad, like, mid-90s comic books of, like, anytime the superheroes have to fight. It's like, if y'all had to have a two-minute conversation, this would all not happen. Yeah, and uh, so so yeah, I was thinking like, you know, if you if you book it with wrestlers, you have so many so many options. But I really hate myself for thinking Randy Savage, Miss Elizabeth, and Hulk Hogan because fuck Hulk Hogan, he's canceled. So you know who else this could be? This is this is Matt Hardy and Lita and my boy Adam Copeland. Right, the well, radar that, superstar I mean, Edge, and that storyline had like actual legitimate infidelity in it, which makes it all the wilder that they then put that on television. Yes, uh, and so just looking at that, I'm like, wow, that's just not even trying. That's like three wrestling storylines that I can tell you that are kind of the same, oh, yeah. uh, in the same vein. So yeah, I think. To your point, it's just kind of scratching the bottom of the barrel here in terms of like narrative um so it's funny i was talking that. to uh i was talking to my wife about like the two episodes my wife we're, 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 we we watched for this week um 
And it's, <laughs> she's like, are you like, like, why are you watching the show if it's so gross? I'm like, A, I knew it was going to be gross going in. It's just the degree to which some of the episodes this, this season specifically have just like really like pushed buttons of me being like, and I it's don't. also, it's also just the hope because when it's good, it's great. Right. Much like wrestling. When it works, <laughs> it's, it, it really gives you something to sink your teeth into. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I feel like we're, we're getting into some of the bad ones. I feel like we started so strong in season two. Um, and now we're kind of getting into some episodes that have uh, some more issues. And to your point of, does this need to be on HBO? No, this didn't need to be on HBO at all. Not this one. No, I don't think so. Like, I think that, like just cut out some of the language and the, and the story can very much be on, uh, yeah, on basic cable for sure. And on uh, that note. Yeah, I don't have any casting the crypt. I hate <laughs> this episode. I don't want to talk about it ever again. Um. Yeah, on that note, let's go into our sort of outro stuff. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know Ceci appreciates it, too. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, I occasionally post things at Crip Speakers. I post more stuff on my personal one, which is at JTheCakeThief. Ceci, where can folks find you online? I'm at Ceci.dev. That's right. Um, and uh, otherwise, you can email us. You can email us at cryptspeakers at gmail.com. Uh, you can, uh, you know, reach out to us there. You can go to our website, cryptspeakers.com, find funny photos from all the episodes we've talked about so far. Um, and uh, thanks so much to Molly Fancher for our intro and outro music, Mr. N. Uh, you check them out on Bandcamp, making cool psychobilly out in Russia. Um, I think they, I just saw something, they got uh, number six in the top ten uh, punk rock albums out of Russia in the last year, so get on y'all nice. guys, making some super cool music out there. Get it! Um, anyway, uh, so again, thank you so much for listening, and till next time, kiddies! Hopefully we'll have a good one for you next time.